family. I want to thank Pastor Kathy for the vision of this house. All of the things we're talking about are really just being coming from her heart as she's sharing with the team. Can we just honor Pastor Kathy today and her leadership of this house? Thank you, Pastor Kathy. I love you dearly. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's all the glory, and she definitely deflects the glory to God, but you are a blessing to us. And uh, I know all these years just um, serving this house, your heart for people really just comes through. And I'm so, so thankful, and I'm excited about what God is doing right now. This is a good season for the Gate Church. Can you say amen? I, w I, wore my, um, I wore my throwback Chuck Taylors, Pastor Kathy. Got me some throwback Chuck Taylors on the day. I saw Pastor Joey wearing his. I'm at the age now where actually things that used to be popular are popular again. You know about it, Pastor Joy? I'm, I'm at the age now where it, where it was in, then it went out, and now it's back in again. So if I had to just hang on to a few things, I could be wearing them all again. Instead, I'll go buy them out again. They were the same, same price I paid for them when I threw them away or gave them the goodwill or put them in a, a trash bin. Are you ready for God's Word today? I know God is, it has us in a season, and I'm, I'm really, my heart is, is, has great anticipation about, if you're online joining us, all of our online family and all of our family here on campus, that this is what God is doing. He's leading us through a season of preparation and discipleship. Somebody say preparation and discipleship. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but just a minute, we're going to talk about how resurrection power empowers and animates us and moves us toward becoming the people God has made us to be. We weren't meant to be pew setters. Come on, somebody. We weren't meant for consumer Christianity. We were meant to be activated, prepared, and shaped. God has a plan for your life, and I want you to get excited about that today. I want you to get in line with what God is doing, but in the meantime, there's a preparation. So I want you to look at Luke chapter 24, if you will. You can grab your Bible or your Bible app. We'll show it on the screen as well. Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at verse 28 through 31. And familiar passage, this is at the end of the Gospels. And Jesus is living in his resurrected body. And the resurrection power, resurrection reality is available in this particular story. It's what we call the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we'll pick up in verse 20, 28, and as Jesus is walking along with them, when they came to Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going on ahead of them. But look, they urged him saying, stay with us, it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them at this point in the story, they don't know who he is. Now, this is the same Jesus they followed in life, but they don't recognize, they don't know who he is. In verse 30, he says, Then Jesus took his seat at the table with them. And I want you to watch this. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, and he broke the bread, and he gave it to them. I want to say that again. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread and he gave it to them. And look at verse 31. And at that moment, what happened? Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I want to encourage someone today that when you look through the eyes of faith, what you saw before as, as, a, as a darkness or as, a, as a, a sense of being lost, when you look through the eyes of faith, your eyes can be open. You'll see what you didn't see before. When you see through the eyes of faith, when you look again, somebody say, look again. When you look again through the eyes of faith, what you thought wasn't there, come on somebody, was there 
all along. Let's just pray. Father, thank you today for the reading of the word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Why don't you get in faith with me right now? If you're online today, God's speaking to you today. Lord, we just receive. We open up our hands. We want to do that as a sign of surrender. Lord, here's my life. Here's my mind. I put away distractions. I put away my own agenda because, Lord, right now is a holy moment. It's a sacred moment. I'm glad to be alive today, but I have a purpose, and I want to see what you're doing. I want my eyes to be open today by faith, and I pray that on your people today in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Amen. You know, occasionally, thank you, Sarah, occasionally when I'm at my home and my kids will come up to me and they'll say something like, hey, Dad, I can't find, and I'll say like my daughter, I'll pick up my daughter because she's in kids' church and she's not here, you know, to stand up for herself. I'll say, she'll say, Dad, I can't find my shoes, right? Can't find my shoes. This is a classic, this is a classic morning in the Strickland home. I can't find my shoes. You know, I can't find my underwear. I can't, you know, basically everything starts with I can't find. Many um, parents in the room resonate with that story. It's like, you know, I can't find it. So I can't find my shoes in the morning. We're going to school. I can't find my iPad. I can't find my books. And so, you know, I'll head over there. You know, look, listen, let me just be honest. The, the mom is better than, than the dad in our home finding things, all right? So normally my first response is go ask your mom. That, that's, that's my, that's my go-to response. Go ask your mom. Cause it does two things. Husbands and men, you know, it, first of all, it takes pressure off of me and she's better at it anyway. I just want her in her grace zone. You know what I'm saying? I want her in her grace zone. She's good at finding things. And I just say, hey, go ask your dad. I'm like Daniel over there. He's I'm looking at me. He's like, yeah, yeah. So I guess when I, but when I go to her room, I'm looking at a room and there is stuff everywhere. So, uh, so I look around the room and there's like parts of things everywhere. There, there is a, there's a book bag hanging over here that's half empty. There are clothes strewn everywhere. The, yesterday I was in my daughter's room trying to help her get it straightened up. There are parts of her bed linen, bed linen in all four sections of the room. I don't know how that happens. How in the world? There's stuff hanging from fans. There, there, are, there are utensils and bowls and what looks to be part of a previous meal in another corner. Any other parents besides me, you get, you get that. It's like, what, no wonder you can't find anything in this room because it's just like a mess. And, and I'll be, I'll just full on confession. I also have those moments where I will come to my wife and say, I have looked Everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. I looked, ev- I'll go to my wife and say, I've looked everywhere for this, and I'll name what it is. Whether it's, you know, a pair, something that I'm, I've, I've been, I set aside, or maybe my Bible, or maybe it's a, a, one of my electronics, or something like that. I've looked everywhere. And I, and I seriously, to my, to my defense, I will have been in that room looking with the set of eyes that I have. To, to my defense, I was in the room. It's not like I just didn't try. I did try. And I'll say, honey, I've looked everywhere. And you know what? She's learned by now. She don't even, she's just like, let me go. Let, let me go and look. And she'll go into that same room on that same shelf in that same location. I've been staring for for 20 minutes. And she'll walk out with that thing in her hand. And she'll say, here it is. It was there all along. 
And I'm saying all the time, I've looked everywhere and I have. I've looked in all the places and I've given it my best, but there's just a grace on the woman's life. She just walks in and she sees it and she just, she's looking right at it. She says, it was right here. How many of you realize that's the way our walk of faith is sometimes? We're looking all around. We're trying to find God. We're trying to see where God is in our situation. And we come in prayer and we said, I've looked everywhere. I've looked everywhere for you, and you're nowhere to be found. I've tried. I've prayed. There's really not a problem with my physical eyes, but there is a problem with my seeing. Come on, somebody. There's not a problem with me going to look. There's a problem with my ability to see. Acts 28 he says this, it's a quote actually from Isaiah 6, go to this people and say to them, you hear, that's for sure, but you don't understand. You see, certainly you see, but you never recognize what you are seeing. Jesus weeps over Israel. And one of the times we see Jesus' emotions coming out, he weeps because you did not recognize the coming of your time and your season. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't in their midst, it's just they could not see it. And often when God invites us, listen to this, I want you to catch this key, and you need to write some notes down today. Often when, when God takes you from one season into the next season, into a new place, it's not that your spiritual senses are no longer working, it's just that they're in shock and they need to be recalibrated because what you're seeing is not God away from you, it's just a new reality God's inviting you into. Come on, somebody. God's actually saying, I want to take you to a new place. I'm inviting you into a new reality. We've been talking on Wednesday nights. I would encourage you to come on our Wednesday nights uh, discipleship track that we're, we're, we're training. We're, we're getting prepared. We've been talking about salvation. Jesus is walking into the earth and he's saying, salvation has come. I know you don't recognize it. I know it seems like the same old thing. It seems like things are turning in the wrong direction. But the arrival of Jesus in your life says that at no point in time are things going in the wrong direction. By His grace, they're always moving toward the next thing that He's shaping my life for. The context of our, of our moment right now in, in, in the church calendar, it's, and it's an interesting time, we, we Few, few, about 30 to 60 days ago, we were in Easter. We were in April, we were in Easter. And then we're moving towards this 50-day marker of next Sunday where we celebrate Pentecost. So we're, at the, we're, at the, we're in between the garden tomb and the birth of the church, the release and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so we find ourselves in this in-between part. And actually today is a day where we, where we acknowledge or we remember the ascension. And, and, he, and here's the, the context I want to give you. that For 40 days... God, God raises up Jesus from the garden, and for 40 days, God, Jesus walks on the earth and he interacts with his disciples during that 40-day period, revealing himself. So 40 days is significant, 40 days of rain with Noah, 40 years is a generation, 40, 40 years a generation of wandering, 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. So what do we know by that? We know that in this season of time, God is preparing and doing things, and so we might think of those 
40 days as hardship or difficulty, but God calls them days of preparation and revelation. Think of 40 days in the Bible as enough time to get the job done. There needs to be a season in your life between the, the shocking reality of resurrection and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit when God comes down and says, now let me teach you about this new thing you're about to walk into. See, some of you are at a place where you want to go in the new thing, but God has to acclimate your spiritual senses to live in that new thing. God wants to take you into a new way of thinking, a new way of living, but he has to first challenge your old way of thinking. Come on, somebody. God has to challenge your old way of hearing so that he can get you to hear the right things. See, a lot of times in conversation, we teach people in, in, a, in a relationship management and relationship interaction, sometimes when what someone says, you hear it the wrong way. We get acclimated. Why? Because, listen to me, your hearing and your seeing have filters. What are those filters? They're your experiences. Watch me. They're your experiences. They're things that you think you already know. And in order to God to get you to where he's taking you, he has to, you have to unlearn some things you think you already know. You have to start hearing God in a different way. See, the problem is not that God is not speaking. The problem is with our hearing. The problem is God is not there. It's just that my experience has acclimated me to a way of seeing God that I don't understand because he's in a new form. He's in a new place. He's in a new position. And it doesn't make sense to me. And how many of you realize in our life we will always want to trend back to what is comfortable and familiar? But God can't take us into our new place in the comfortable and the familiar. We're in the in-between time. It's, a, it's this period between the garden tomb and Pentecost where it's the already but not yet. Somebody say not yet. One of the most difficult places to be in in life is the one that's in between. When God is moving you from what is comfortable and familiar to what is out of your control. Can I say something to you, loved ones? If you are going to live into the next season that God has for you, you are going to have to let go of the controls. That's a word for somebody today. Jesus comes and he says, I'm introducing a new kingdom, but disciples, you don't get to have it your way. Even in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are asking, Jesus, when is it that you'll come and overthrow the Roman Empire? When is it that you'll come and, and bring us a political victory so that our nation, our people can be victorious? And Jesus says, I've, had, I've done all I can do, Holy Spirit, I'm giving it over to you. He says, I'm, that's not for you to know. It's not, this, this time and season is not for you. What Jesus is trying to say is, hear me again. I'm leading, I'm living in a way that introduces the kingdom, but it's not going to be like you thought it would be. It's going to be better. How many of you know that's a good promise that God has a, pro, a plan for your life, but it's better than what the one you thought it was going to be? God has a plan and, a, and a, he's prepared you for a place, but it's better. I'm glad that God doesn't leave the planning to me because I would fall so short of his great wealth and his great provision. Some of the greatest things in my life were when God went against my plan. Some of the best places in my life is when God did not take my advice. Can I get an amen? When God refuses to take your advice, you ought to just say, thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for not listening to what I thought should have been because you're the God of all heaven and earth. You know where my life should be, and I want to live into that reality. I'm looking around the room, and I know our church and church family. Some of your greatest victories in life came out of seasons when you thought you were going down. Some of your greatest blessings in your life happened when you thought everything was falling apart. I, I know uh, Jordan and Holly were sharing on Wednesday night about the, uh, the, the major challenge their family faced, but as a result of that, they're living in to a new reality on this day. You can't have the promise without the in-between time. Come on, somebody. You can't go from resurrection, come on, to Pentecost. You have to live in the in-between, and you got to begin to work with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Who are you? What is your voice like in this season? What does it sound like, and what do you look like in this moment? you got to let go of the controls. Sometimes when you enter into a new place, it's shocking. Kind of like whenever you fall into, like if you were in a, on an icy lake and you were to fall through the lake, your senses actually go into shock. They go into to reactionary hyperthermia. Some of you are in a new season and your, your body is fighting you right now. And you're flailing about. And so the... So, uh, uh, survivalists tell us and you, you're flailing about and you're, you're trying to catch and you're trying to, what are you doing, trying to grip something? How many, how many of you realize that, that a lot of times you're lashing out is not a problem somebody else is doing, it's something that you're frustrated with in your own life. Some of your own anger and frustration, can I say this to you, that I, and, I, and I love you and I know church is not perfect, but some of our anger and bitterness, we actually scapegoat other things around us so that we don't have to face the reality, which is I am frustrated, I am angry, I am flailing about because I have a trust issue, come on, because I don't trust God to take care of me where I'm at. I'm falling through the lake and I'm, I'm concerned. My senses, my spiritual senses are going into hypothermia and they are reacting and I'm tensing up and I'm flailing about when Jesus is just saying, trust me. Can you trust him in the in-between? See, everybody can trust him at the garden tomb at resurrection. And it's easy to trust him at Pentecost when there's a wave of the Holy Ghost and people are speaking in unknown languages and known languages and when there's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But can you find Jesus in the in-between time? Can I tell you today, if you can't do that, you can't live into the new reality. You can't live into the new season you're being invited into. It's a shock to your system. Just like maybe when you, another illustration, you go from a, a brightly lit room to a dimly, dimly lit room, what happens? You walk in, are your eyes still working? Yeah. yeah. They're still working, but you can't see. You, you are, you're, you're blurred. You, it looks funny to you. It looks wrong to you. It looks like something is not quite right. I'm saying that just because you can't see Jesus, listen, in this season, it doesn't mean that he's not in the room. I'm saying that just because you can't hear the voice of Jesus doesn't mean he's not whispering your name. I'm saying that just because you can't get your mind around the why of your new season doesn't mean that God is not already at work orchestrating his plan over your life. Somebody say it's a setup. Principle I want to share with you today, and then I'm going to share these, these, uh, this portion of where the, the disciples realize it's Jesus. I want to share with you this principle that the pain of your present circumstances often become the announcement 
that you're leaving one season and you're being transitioned into a new place. You're inviting into, being invited into something new. The shock of this moment is not to kill you, brothers and sisters. It's to raise you up and move you into a new place. Otherwise, you'd stay right there. If we can't get in, listen, if we can't get into a place of discomfort and unfamiliarity, you'll stay right where you're at. You'll keep it right the same way because why? That's where, that's the place where you control the ecosystem. That's the place where you control the environment. There's a term called liminal space and, and it's, it's this, it's this space between where two, two ecosystems collide. These two closed systems that are perfectly congruent on their own, one, one right next to the other, but the space in between them is where they begin to collide and come together. And that space is called liminal space. It's the space where you are leaving one and entering in another, but it's strange. There, there's a, environmentalists will tell us that there are, there are new, um, new, new vegetation that springs up, new cross-pollination, new types of plants and animals live inside the liminal space because it's a place where it's out of control. It's the culmination of two things coming together and it's strange and it can't be explained and it can't be controlled. Can I suggest to you today that when God, when you have that shocking moment in your life, God might be pushing you into the liminal spaces of the world and taking you into a place where possibilities are greater than you imagined them to be. Wouldn't it be amazing to think I had this plan, I had this purpose, I had God. You didn't, you didn't t check my goals for this year. You didn't check my plans for this year. And God says, it, I, I marked it off because it wasn't big enough. I marked it out because I have something greater for your life. I'm taking you into a liminal space, into an in-between moment in your life where you're going to have to trust me. Somebody say it's a setup. It takes a shock to our senses to awaken us to something that's new. And often our ears and our senses have grown familiar and we don't recognize what God is doing because He's no, we're no longer looking through eyes of faith. Let me just remind you today, something that Bishop shared many, many years, your life with God will not take you to a place where faith is not necessary. That just needs to sit on the house again. Your life with God will not take you into a place that faith is not necessary. Faith does not give you the element of a control board. It just gives you knees in a prayer closet. If I'm going to follow God, I've got to walk through a season where I don't have control, I don't know what to do, and I don't have answers. Here's the thing. Whenever things go wrong, what are we looking for? We're looking for answers. Instead, Jesus just provides a hand. He just provides a guiding word. He just provides a loving touch and says, I'll follow you. I'll take you to the place where I change your perspective so that you can see what I'm doing in this next season. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Familiar story of Jesus. What I want you to see here is, is that reading the Gospels is certainly a, 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 um, ob an observation of the miracles of, of what God was doing through Jesus. 
But Jesus is conveying something bigger. Look at Mark 8, 22. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethesda and some people were brought, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him and heal him. Taking the blind man's hands, Jesus led him out of the village. Something significant there. Sometimes you can't get the healing you need in the same place you were before. That's for somebody today. I'm not trying to tell you to go anywhere. I'm just saying you just get stubborn and stuck and you think I got to be in this place. But this man could not be healed where he was at. He had to get outside of the familiar. He had to get outside of the controlling voices. See, some of you are having voices in your life. You're surrounded by the same friends, the same family members that are always trying to keep you at the same location. And Jesus is saying, if I'm going to heal this person, I got to get them out of that environment. I got to get them over here so they can begin to hear something different and I can get the work done on their eyes. My God. After spitting in the dirt, Jesus, Jesus takes and he, he, he spits on his eyes and he lays his hands on this man and he asks ask him, do you see anything? And then verse 24, what happens? The man looked up. What does he see? He said, I see people, but they, they look like trees. Only these trees are walking around. I want you to get a picture just for a minute that, that, that Jesus is trying to convey a message to, to us principally, but even to, to all of us who enter into the kingdom of God. Number one, I have to get out of where I was in order to get healed. In order to see, see my problem is, is that and if you read a little further, Jesus says this man wasn't blinded by God, he had a purpose. So in other words, is that there are some things right now that you can't see because of your previous place. It's not that you're cursed, it's not that you're, you've done anything wrong, but there's some things you can't see because you can't take those old things into your new place. And so when God gets moving in your life and he begins to, to, to minister to you, he has to say, I'm taking you out of that place. I'm going to touch your blindness, but you've got to leave this surroundings first. You've got to leave that environment. I've got to walk out into a new place where God can, where I can hear the voice of God. And then he says, and then verse 24, he's, the man says, I can begin to see people, but they, they, they look like trees. Can I just suggest to you today that in the process of grave, garden grave, all the way to Pentecost, there are going to be seasons where you don't quite have a language for what God is doing in your life. No one's going to be able to explain walking trees. Unless you're J.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Outside of that. There is no reality to explain what God is doing in your life. And so you spending your time frustrating, trying to explain to everybody what you saw God, what you saw God doing, what you heard God say, what you have a picture of is going to be a waste of your time and theirs. Because listen, there's a part of your process of healing, of revelation, where you're not going to have language, you're just going to have a prayer closet. There's going to be a time when you can't explain what God is doing, but you're just going to say, I know he's doing something. Because you're not ready to live in it, and they ain't ready to live in it, and no one wants to hear you talk about walking trees. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help them. What am I saying? I'm not saying for you to shut yourself down. What I am saying is don't get frustrated when you don't have an understanding in the moment of what God's doing. Just know he's still doing it. 
You might be an in-between moment. You might be between the, the, uh, the place where you were, where you were lost and blind and, and everybody had rejected you. You didn't have anybody to call out for you. And you might be between that place and the day where you're walking in full vision. But in the in-between time, you just have to learn to trust that Jesus is at work in your life. I'm sure it was odd to get his, get his healing of blindness through spit and mud. But God is not orthodox when it comes to touching people's lives. God's not practical when it comes to touching people's lives. See, that's what we hear in the, the story of Joseph is that you know, the enemy tries to orchestrate things on and on again to destroy our lives and then God somehow redeems them over and over and over and over and over again. You might be in the room today and you think about all the things that you've done to screw things up. Can I tell you today that God can use that too? He's an unpractical, unorthodox, uncalculating God. He knows what he's doing, but it's higher than our ways. It's beyond us. And we have to get to the place where he says, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't know why I'm struggling here, but I'm going to stop flailing around for a moment. I'm going to stop fighting and I'm going to say, God, do your work because I want to see again. I want to see what you're doing. I want to see you in a new place. I want to hunger for you in a new place. I'm tired of being in my desperate old self. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I want to live into a new reality. God opened my eyes that I could see. Verse 24, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and he looked and his eyes were wide open and his sight was restored and he could see everything clearly. And Jesus said, don't go into the village. When God moves you from one place to the next, he opens your eyes up. You have to be careful of this one thing, that you can never find your, your normal back again where you used to be. When you try to combine the revelation of God with the comfort of your past life, it will always result in discouragement and frustration. You have to begin to believe what God said about you is real. You have to begin to grab a hold of by faith what God has spoken over you is not just, just a promise, it is your new reality. How many of you realize that the world around you is just waiting to see what you think about God's promise? It's just waiting to see what you say about God's promise. Do I believe what God has said? Am I healed? So maybe if I'm the blind man I can't see, I'm going to keep walking somehow. I might bump into a few things, but my reality is I was blind, but now I see. I will no longer be held in locked and in, in frustration and in bondage to an old past. God's called me into a new future. Come on, somebody say it's a setup. Mark, Mark 8 says a similar thing. He says, Jesus says, you, uh, are you aware of this? Jesus says, why are you discussing the facts that you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Then he says in verse 18, having eyes you do not see and having ears you do not hear and you do not remember. So I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging this church today. We may have had a traumatic moment as a family, and you may have had traumatic moments as an individual, but that's not the end of the story. It's an invitation. Come on, somebody. It's an invitation. Do I have an explanation? No, I don't have an explanation. All I know is this, is that Mary went to a garden tomb expecting to find a dead body, yet she found a gardener. 
I, all I know is that Thomas, he didn't, he came to a room expecting to see a political victor, yet he saw a sacrificial lamb. All I know is the disciples on the way to Emmaus, they were looking for an explanation for this disappointment, and what they found was an answer. Peter on the shores was trying, to, or in, the, in his boat, was trying to go back to a normal way of life, but he looked on the shoreline and he saw an invitation into eternal life. I don't know what it is going on in your life. I just know it's a setup. I don't know what it is you're struggling with. I don't know what it is you're fighting against. I don't know what it is you're looking at and you're staring at like a calf at a new gate. I just know it's a setup. If you will just for one moment get in your faith and say, God, whatever it is you're doing, I want to go there. I don't want to go back. I want to live into my new reality. I don't recognize it. I just know it's better than what I think it is in this moment. Hallelujah. This is the key for you. Sometimes God answers, God's answer to your next season comes in a form you did not expect. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember that today. Sometimes the answer to what God has for you comes in a form, I, I really want to say all the time. It comes in a form, because listen, if you can understand it and control it, it ain't God. It's just an echo. Somebody will get that later. If you can understand it and control it and, and make, make means with it, then it's not God. It's an echo. Whenever God comes to us, he comes in a form that we did not expect and we do not understand, yet it is his faithfulness that we trust. The moment your spiritual senses adjust to this new thing, you begin to see Jesus in all the places you thought he was gone. See, some of you are in a spot in your life right now that you don't see Jesus, but you're going to get to a place where you look back and go, he was there. Now, now I see he was there. Now, wait a minute, he was there too. All of those things that I used to think were terrible that were happening to me, Joseph says God was in them all anyway. Was God making them happen? No, but he's there. That's the story. It's what we call incarnation. It's when Jesus comes down and he enters in. And let me tell you something. You can't stop Jesus from entering into the places of your life. No matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter what hell you in, you were in, no matter what cell you were in, no matter what bondage you were in, you're going to find later on down the life that Jesus was right there. You thought you were under attack, Jesus was there. You thought you were alone, Jesus was there. You thought you were lost, Jesus was there. You thought you were on the wrong path at the wrong time with the wrong people for the wrong reason, and Jesus was there. Somebody shout amen. It's what Jesus is doing in your life. And so what I want to say to you today is I want you to see that Jesus is already at work. He's already there. He's taking you from your garden tomb and into your place of Pentecost. But you have to get acclimated in this season, and I want God to speak to you today and bring revelation. So I love this story out of Matthew 24. It's one of my favorite stories because it's just like Jesus. And I want to share with you these three things that, you, that we do to acclimate ourselves to the new days. How many of you realize Jesus is, he's on the way to revealing himself to you. He's, he's on the way to restoring and fulfilling your life like never before, but it's just going to take a minute. 
So how do we begin to see again through these eyes of faith? Here's how Jesus taught us. Number one, what he does is he takes them into a room. They all go into a room. He sits at a table and he does the singular, let me say this to you, the singular unit of confession is what we generally call communion. It's the representation of what Jesus did on the cross. Remember, Jesus has already done this. He taught them to do it before crucifixion. He did it in reality on Calvary, and then he takes them to do it again in practice. That's where you and I are today. And so as they sit down at the table to get this revelation, and I want you to write these down. This is what Jesus does. Number one, he says to take it, take it. What is he saying? He says, take the bread. Stop fighting against the very thing God is using to launch you into your next season. Take and receive. A part of the, the prayer Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. You're not going to have bread for the next 10. You're going to have just this day. So take it and receive it. How many of you realize oftentimes we're so caught up in what's going to happen in the future and what happened in the past that I can't receive the bread for the day? I can't get focused enough to know that God has simply and faithfully provided enough for me and enough for me to share because I can't get in that headspace. I can't take it. Somebody say, take it. I have to receive the bread. If, if I'm going to participate in the body of resurrection, I have to first receive the body. I might, I might ask the question, did God cause it? No, he didn't cause it, but he can use it. And I want you to know today, God has not abandoned you. So the first thing you do in your walk of faith is you say, Lord, whatever it is you are doing right now, maybe you, I feel like somebody needs to do that. I want to stop flailing about. I'm just going to receive it. Maybe somebody online today, I'm fighting, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. But the first step I'm going to say is I'm going to sit down at the table and I'm going to say, whatever it is you're bringing, it's good. Over and over, Genesis 1, God says, I created and it's good. I created and it's good. I created and it's good. The only time that God says it's not good is when there's an unfulfilled moment, when there is an incompleteness and he makes that good. So God is moving us to a place of good and wholeness, but we have to get to the place where we say, Lord, I receive it. I open my hands. Number two, we take it. Number two, we bless it. Somebody say bless it. So Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. What I want to say to you today is you have to learn to bless the pain that is shaping you through your process. We want to bless God. We want to bless the blessing. We want to bless the prosperity. We want to bless the good times. And God's saying, I'm blessed the breaking. I'm blessing the breaking. I'm blessing the preparation. I'm blessing the hard tip. You see, we, we, we spend so much time cursing things that we don't realize we're actually cursing what God has called blessed. The pain is an indicator that you are losing some things that you can't take into your next season. And the more time you spend blessing or cursing those things, that takeaway process, that stripping away, that breaking down process, the longer you get stuck in a cycle in an old season. When God's saying, I want you to bless this process where you're being broken because some things need to be broken off your life so that you can, you can add more in the future, so that you can add a new part into the future. 
when you're flailing about, you're, you're trying to float, you're, you're, or you're trying to survive in water, what does survival say? They say, just relax. Now, easier said than done. So I want to just make this point. Just like drowning in water, some of you are drowning in life. I'm not, this, listen, can, let, me just, let, me just, let me just help you out. There ain't no sermon that's, that's centered around Jesus as some easy invitation into a two-step process, a four-step process that gets you what you want. If you came here for that, you, you came to the wrong place. That, that's not going to happen. You can't preach from here and get there. But what I can tell you is, is that we serve a risen Lord, and He's faithful and He's trustworthy, and what He said He will do. And so when I'm flailing about and when I'm trying to get, when, when I'm trying to struggle, the struggle's real. Somebody say, the struggle's real. I know your struggle's real. I know your pain is real. I know your hurt is real. But if you'll just a moment, you'll learn to lean back. You'll find that you were meant to float. You'll find that the water is like the ground of being. It's the reality. You know what the kingdom is? Kingdom is like air. It's all around me and it's floating me. If I stop flailing around, if I stop fighting it, if I stop trying to get control and grabbing on, on grabbing onto anything I can get a hold of and I just lean back, people say, how come that guy is so calm? I know what his life is like. How come that couple is so calm? I know what they're struggling through. All you have to do is you lean back and say, I don't know either, but it's just Jesus. He's all around me. Come on, somebody. He's keeping me afloat. I'm going to bless this season. I don't know why. I don't understand it, but I'm going to bless this season. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. I'm talking about my life right now. I don't want to do that. I don't want to walk through that process, but I'm just going to lean back and I'm going to say, Lord, get your kingdom all around me and float me up. Just float me up, Lord. I don't know when a raft is coming to save me. I don't know when the rescue ship is coming, but I just know you just might make me a raft. You just might make me a place to carry others to salvation because you're the ground of being. You're the kingdom. You're the air all around me. I don't have to fight to make water float me. I have to ease on back. Can I say to you today? Can I tell you today, church? Ease on back and let Jesus come underneath you. There's nothing wrong with the water. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just my response that matters. So bless it. Stop cursing what you curse. We have the worship team come and we'll share, we'll close. Bless it. Take it, bless it, and then break it. Break it. You cannot take in the whole loaf at one time. So Jesus knows that. And so he takes a portion off and he breaks it and he hands it out. He breaks off a piece and he begins to pass it around the table. Pass it around the table. You have to take your eyes off your destination and put them on Jesus. You have to take your eyes off of the promise of Pentecost and you have to just put them on that one piece of bread right in front of you. I started to grab some today just, to, just as an illustration, but just imagine holding one big loaf of bread. You break a piece off. Your job today is to hold that one piece and bless it and then hold it and know that it is broken for you. It's enough. It's not shortchanged. It's not more than you need. It's just enough. And if you'll just get that on the inside of your spirit, you'll get so excited and so happy. You'll move from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance. And you'll say, God, you are the God that provides for my day. You are the God that will take me into my future. I don't have to reach to the past because I bro you've broken it. And it's right here in front of me today. 
Some of you are around a table today, and I just feel like, I, I, I really felt like today, I didn't think we could pull it off, but I want to just go and hand pieces of bread. I want to hand a piece to you. I want to hand a piece to you. I want to hand a piece to you. I want to give a piece to you. Why? Because it's enough for today, and your hand being held out will not go empty. We serve a loving Father. And so when it's broken for me, when my life is broken, I don't like that. I don't want that. But my spirit man has learned to want it, to long for it. Jesus broke it into pieces. How do you walk out? Listen, listen. How do you walk out a season of transition in your life? Let me tell you, one blessed day at a time. I'm not, I'm not, this is no inspirational four-step book. This is Jesus. You just take this day. That's the miracle of the bread. What was in the one piece is in the loaf. The, what was in the one piece is in the loaf. You never shortchange. You get all of it. When you begin to take the one piece and you take it and you eat it and you let it get, get into your body, that's what, that's, what the, that, that's what this passage says. As soon, listen, as soon as they took the piece and they put it to their mouth, their eyes were opened. And they said, I recognize that's Jesus. And I've been fighting it, and I've been struggling, and I've been trying to get, they tried to get Jesus to explain it. And when he did explain it on the road, they still didn't get it. Why? Because it wasn't an explanation they needed. It was daily bread. It was a revelation of God's Holy Spirit, his life incarnated into the world and now resurrected through the power of love. He, they needed a piece of that bread. And what I'm saying is what's on offer today in this church is bread. Not whole loaf for any one person, but just a piece. Can I tell you in that piece, it will change your life today. I feel like across this room, people have been struggling. They've been, they've been in a place of dying. They've been flailing about. They've been trying to figure out answers, and God's not giving answers. What he is providing for you is a piece of bread. And he's saying, I want you to take this. I want you to eat it. And when you eat it, your eyes are going to go, you were there all along. You were there all along. Why don't you stand up with me today? I want to pray over you. If our prayer teams could come, I know we're going to end at this time and we're going to honor your, your time, but somebody needs a touch from God today in this house. Our prayer teams are going to be all around here. We're going to sing Graves the Garden again because that's the business God is in. What's on offer is a piece of bread that's going to turn your dark place into a place of illumination. He's not going to change your comfort. He's not going to make it easy. But he's in the business of shaping your life. So I want to know today, is there anybody in this room, just hands lifted up all over the place. God, I want your change in my life. I want you to come in and I want you to fill my life with a new revelation. Touch my eyes today. Maybe that's you. Just go on and pray. Just right where you're at. You don't need a prayer partner to do this. Lord, touch my eyes, touch my ears so that I can hear in a new way. I can see in a new way. With your hands lifted up, let's just begin to worship together. Team's going to lead us. But I believe the Holy Ghost is doing a work right now.
on, sing that, sing that, yeah. You turn shame into glory. close I want to pray this prayer with you I know in a church like this we have people who know of Jesus they they've been in church but if you're in a dark place I want you to hear today that God is meeting you at that place of need if you're in a struggle today I want you to know that God has not forgotten about you you just might be in the in-between places I got good news for you you're about to come out you're about to break out into a new place. You might say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know all the things that, I, that I've surrounded myself with. I'm telling you today that one response from you reaching out to Jesus can start to open up those eyes and your life will be changed forevermore. So if you need Jesus today, I want you to do this for me. I want you to begin to think about this. Salvation is on offer for everyone who will call out on his name. Everybody who calls out on the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you today to call out on Jesus' name. So as they sing again, if you're here today, you say, Pastor David, I need to get my life right with God. Maybe you've done that in the past, but you need to reiterate that reality for you. I want you to step out of your seat right where you're at right now. I want you to move down to the altar. And maybe you're at a place where you just say, I'm struggling in a dark place and I need God to free me up. I want everybody who hears God today calling you to a place of revival, a place of awakening. I want you to move out of your chair right now. I want you to move to this front. I want these prayer partners to begin to pray with you. And I want you to begin to walk the first steps from your place of brokenness and blindness to your place of seeing again. Come on, lead us. Just step out of your seat right now and walk to this altar and respond to God. Yes, people coming from all over the church. Come on, walk to the front. Let God touch you today. God of my future.
goodness is breaking through right now. freedom in the house this morning. A wave of freedom is breaking in. Things you thought were gone are being restored. As seasons change, your faithfulness remains. And I believe that I will see Father, right now we lift our hands to you. If you're online, you just want to receive. Lord, whatever it is you're doing, go on and do it. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop struggling. I'm going to stop battling. And I'm going to live into trust. I just feel like right now we have a board over here. Some of you don't see it, but we're praying for people's lives to move from a place of darkness, a place of lost, a place of discouragement, and they're going to find Jesus. So we just pray into that right now. All across this community, all across this church, online to our family right now. I pray over you that you're going to see Jesus in a new way. You didn't expect it that way. It didn't seem right to you, but all of a sudden you're going to go, now my eyes have seen, my eyes have seen the goodness of the Lord. Some of you today are battling in marriages. You're battling in family relationships. You're struggling in finances. You don't see Jesus. I want to say he's right there. He's walking with you, and you're going you're gonna to come to a place of testimony that says, I see now that Jesus was in my midst, working through every circumstance. If you need to respond today, it's not too late. If, you need to be in, if you're on campus, you need to be at one of these prayer partners. Don't leave this place without doing, letting the Holy Spirit do what he's doing. We're going to leave this time open. We're going to pray together. But we bless you today. We pray God's strength upon you. We pray His grace goes with you, that you walk in fulfillment, you walk in the purposes of God, and everything that He has for your life is made ready, available for you, and that you live into it in Jesus' name. We love you. God bless you, online family. God bless you, church. You're dismissed now, if you would. Leave quietly as these who are praying around us pray. If you need to respond today in faith, come on down here right now. We'll pray with you. We'll agree in faith over your life.